Yo, what's going on everyone? It's Brian and Jim here with Drinking Beer and Play Game, and welcome to another episode of the Power Hour. Yes, hello everyone. Welcome to episode 121. Thank you once again for joining us tonight. How are y'all doing? Brian, how are you doing? Oh man, it's uh... <laughs> for those who did watch last episode, you're gonna be like, either these guys are dirty and don't change their shirts, or they're just wearing the same shit. So we are doing these back to back. Uh, between me and Jim, we have some vacations coming up, and actually, uh, this week, 4th of July is coming, so we do hope you guys are all being safe and have a great time. Um, but we decided, let's bang out two back-to-back. -back. Getting out of the game! Yeah, and we wanted to, as Jim said last episode, we want to keep these to an hour. The name is Power Hour, and many times we've gone over the hour. <laughs> the, the Power Diatribe, the Power Tangent. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, in the past, shit, when we first started, we were struggling to make an hour. And then that quickly goes out the window. So, yeah. Like I said, we tried to keep these He just gets so good at this like we do. He can just go for hours. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, there's other circumstances there, right? <laughs> All right, Jamer. So I see you sipping away. What, uh, what you got? Uh, I am drinking uh, leftover from good old Christmas season. Some things I still have from Two Hands uh -oh. Brewing. The old Holiday Ale. Uh, let's see here. It's a Beer Day Noel on an offshoot of Beer Day uh, Guard style. Traditionally, guard. this yep. Yep. This style of ale was made just by a handful of small Frambois breweries in France during the few weeks leading to Christmas. It is a deep malt flavor with notes of uh, treacle? Treacle? Toasted malt and caramel. The malt character is accented by a mild herbal presence of French strissenpididouts <laughs> and aramis hops. Strissenpididouts. I know how to words. God knows I got enough comments about my Philly accent. Oh my goddamn, let's play. Don't give me these hard words from the foreign countries that I don't care about. Uh, speaking of Philly accents in a place that is near and dear to our heart, for, so my beer, I'm going with the Mud Hen Brewing from Wildwood, New Jersey, and this is their Wildwood Haze IPA, 7.7%. It's a uh, <clears throat> Enjoy the Journey. Local artist Russ Simmons cr creatively depicts the sun and the surf synonymously with the vacationing in the summer down the shore. It's those wild, wild, wildwood days where sleeping on the beach seven days a week and partying until the morning bright have become part of history and lore of our five-mile island. Crack this can and enjoy the combination of cashmere and motika hops as unique as the fantastic architecture from the doo-wop era you can find sprawling our streets. Remember, at Mudhead Brewing Company, every night is a Saturday night. They really like their Wildwood shit. Oh, those Wildwood days. Wild, wild, wild days. Jim, can I say something that really pissed me off? So, someone made a list of, like, the covering all 48 NJ beaches. I okay. didn't realize there was that many. And, like, the worst was listed as, uh, fuck, it's one we know. Um, was it Seaside? No. I... I'm I'm gonna draw a blank, so I'm not even gonna focus on it. Avalon? But like two away from it was Wildwood. Yeah. As be, and I'm like, and I looked at their reasoning. They're basically like, there's just too many tourists, and That's the, the and, and there's too long of a walk to get to the beach from the, 
like the boardwalk and stuff. That that is a long walk. It, if it it's is a hot one day of out, the longest you walks. Are burning the fuck out of your feet trying to get to that goddamn beachfront. But it's just like, like the idea of like people that shit on Wildwood. It always cracks me up because I'm like, but everyone goes there. Yeah, so, they like Stone Harbor. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I just had to. I had to throw that in there, Jim. I mean, yeah, I, if you want a place with stuff to do, then you're gonna go to fucking Wildwood. So, shit. Yeah, everywhere else it's just like, oh, cool beach. Now what do we do? If you want to bring Northeast Philly to the Jersey Shore, you're going to go to Wildwood. If you want to see hey, some fights at some bars, you're going to go to Wildwood. There's nothing better than Northeast people, Jim. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Don't you dare. <laughs> oh, Jambers. So uh, have you been able to play anything this past week? Even though we're doing these back-to-back. I want you, you know what? I want you to project into the future. What are you going to play this week? You know what? I'm going to play a little more. I want to get delve a little more and keep going with Rabbids and with Samurai Jack. So last episode, I didn't talk about Samurai Jack enough. And so what that is, is basically think of like in think of like a throwback. And like that was probably the biggest criticism I saw of the game was that it feels like a game from 2002. Like it's a third person action game going from like, you know, spot to spot, killing enemies You'll get locked into an area where you have to kill all the enemies. You know, you learn new abilities as you go through. And, yeah, I mean, bashing items on the side of stuff to, you know, get items and crap. Like, think like a simpler kind of old school Ratchet and Clank game. Mm. Nice. Definitely not as involved in stuff like that. But presentation-wise, like, if you're a fan of the Samurai Jack cartoon, like, you will you will be happy with this game. Just because, like, it is a true love letter to that series. Nice. Yeah, I uh, this week I'm gonna be playing a lot more of uh, Mortal Kombat um, Shaolin Monks, as we will finally be able to close out the little random Mortal Kombat games in the future. And I don't, I don't know how long that game actually is, but uh, if I get, if I beat it fast enough, then I'm gonna dip my toe a little further in a Darkwing Duck. Because I've already started that. That's another Patreon request. And, uh, yeah. We're finally done with, uh, that god-awful Donkey Kong 64, is all I can say. Yep. Still don't know how anyone ever likes that game. And I'll never understand it. <laughs> Looks like Shallon Monks takes about seven hours to beat. Okay. Yeah, I might be able to bang out this week, then. So, yeah, speaking of Patreons, though, Jim... Um, what questions do we have for this week? All right. So let's up from the trifecta that we got from Dennis Vanderbrook. Thanks to Game Whisperer Dean. What's your favorite unique element slash gameplay mechanic you've seen in a horror game? Unique element slash gameplay mechanic. Um, probably the AI and the uselessness that you feel in Alien Isolation. Most video games do a shit job of AI. Like, they're so predictable. Even tough ones. See, you either got, like, complete dumbass AI that you fight against that just do the same standard pattern over and over. And it can be annoying, but once you get the pattern, it's like, oh, that's easy. Then there's ones where, like, you have the bullshit, like, Street Fighter 2, where Bison reads your inputs, and you're, like... It's, it's so annoying to beat them because the input is, like, off by whatever, a millisecond. Um, but in Alien, it's like that son of a bitch is thinking. And, you, like, there's never two gameplays that will go the same. And 
Like, you really got to try to outsmart what feels like another player, but it's just a computer. So that was the closest I ever felt where I was, like, playing against somebody. And you feel so useless. Like, you might have some things and just kind of keep it away. But eventually, you know that's coming back. And just when your guard's down, he always pops back. He, she, whatever the hell the Xenomorph is. It will come back and it's going to get you. So I love that feeling and I like a game where... You know, uh, you you know you don't feel like oh I can just take out whatever I want. It's not like Doom, like you definitely are underpowered. So I always appreciate that. Yeah, you know you kind of stole my thunder there because I was gonna say like the cat and mouse element that really only ever works in like a horror game, where like you said Alien Isolation or with uh, with Mr. X and Resident Evil Two remake that kind of deal. Or even where, Nemesis. Or Nemesis. Yep. Where, you know, you don't know when it's going to happen, but there's always going to be that looming dread in the back of your head. And then it's the, oh, fuck, I got to get away, I got to hide, or just try and fight it, that kind of deal. And that, like, that overall anxiety you have, like, the entire time you play. So, horror really does that better than any other genre that I can think of. I was going to say, Jim, would you say that Cat and Mouse, the Mr. X, or Nemesis, for Resident Evil games, now that we've reviewed them all, like... Is that your favorite kind of mechanic in it? Like when you're in those situations? Or do you like thinking of the original one where, you know, for the, the enemies are pretty much fixed and they're not going to be chasing you from room to room? I... <laughs> if there's something I just want to play, I would rather have the old style because... All right, it, it just gives me so much... Like the cat and mouse gives me so much goddamn anxiety. So like, <laughs> like you... like. It's like it's such a good horror game, but my god, is like just like I almost like dread like sitting down and playing them. You're not comfortable. Yeah, you almost think you're like, okay, we gotta get prepped for this. <laughs> and like for the people who hate those games, are just like it's too much. It's too much anxiety. I can't take it. Like I, I like don't give me that, please. So yeah, like it's kind of a divisive mechanic, but I think it's just one that horror does so goddamn well. Yeah, well, I know there's something wrong with me in the fact that with all the things I, s I stream, I keep doing horror games. And I legit, like, I'll be, like, anxious. Because not only am I, like, worrying about the game, but I'm trying to, like, focus on people. And I can't tell you the number of times, like, I've taken my eyes off the screen or something, and something gets me. Where, yeah, I leave those games. When you win, it's a great high. But if you lose or, or they get, you're like, son of a bitch. And then the yep. anxiety's right back. So, yeah, it is a... Uh, it's a weird choice I have, but yeah. Nice. Right, you just want to be skiing. <laughs> it's an adrenaline rush, Jim. Yeah. I can't get that with watching flowers grow. Yeah, like look at a hooker's butt. Da da Damn it, Jim. What? Not everyone? What? Oh, moving on. <laughs> Next up from G to the Next Level. Do you guys have any fond memories in the arcade with your families that you would like to share? No, because I had homework. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I didn't really go to the arcades with my... Like, it was more like if we were at the mall or down the shore, and my parents would just say, like, yeah, go go play the arcades. And me and my brother, like, sometimes would play them together, especially some of the gun games, but that wasn't a common, like... He wasn't as much into video games. So I have a lot of good memories with other friends, but family, we didn't really do gaming arcades together, so I can't really give a great example of that. But, yeah. like, you know, I can think of every time I went to the movies, 
like for us near Nishami Mall, Franklin Mills, and they'd have a time crisis out there and playing that with some friends and be like, I can impress these girls by showing how good my gun skills are. But outside of that, yeah, no, not really a ton of family mem- memories there. Yeah, parents didn't really take me to the movies. <laughs> Stopped going down to the shore when I was like maybe 10. And even then, we didn't really go to the boardwalk. Uh, if we went to the mall, yeah, never made those stops at the arcade. So, yeah, can't say I have any there. Jim, why would you need to go to the arcade when you can get your system from a bag of socks? Well, I mean, why would I need that when I have video games at home? Why would I need to spend quarters <laughs> when I was there? Something I can't take with me. So. <laughs> Oh, that was a good phrase. Jim, it's not something you're bitter about at all. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not bitter about a lot of things, Brian. Not bitter at all. Next up from Gamer Astral. Favorite summer games. Two of mine, Wind Waker and Mario Sunshine. Found a GameCube. Found a little bit of a GameCube theme there going. Yeah. I was going to say, I guess what constitutes a summer game? Hmm. Now, do you go with a game that you just associate with summertime, or do you go with a game that's like summer set? That's what I mean. Like a game that you maybe grew up one summer, and you're like, that was a great summer. Or, yeah, the setting is more summery. Um, hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. you have one off the top of your head? I mean, if I have games that like I associate with summer... The two biggest ones that I can go with are Smash Brawl and GoldenEye. Like, GoldenEye slash Perfect Dark. Like, my best friend growing up, like, we spent probably a good two or three summers in a row playing, like, GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. Whether against each other, when some of our other friends would come over, or just going against bots in Perfect Dark. Did you say two summers or one summer? Two to three, I said. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that we played the fuck out of GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. And, like, uh, yeah, and then, like, even with, little bit, somewhat with the original Smash, but especially Melee and Brawl, like, that would be a game where, like, when we had time and, like, if we were hanging out, at some point we'd be playing that. So, two, two to three summers. That's nuts. Because you still never got that good at those games. So, I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When I think of a summer game, one game that does pop in my mind, and I'm, I guess I'm talking more settings, is Zombie Ate My Neighbors. That opening, that opening scene, the thing it always linked in my mind to, for whatever weird reason, is a movie I love probably more than I should, but The Burbs. Did you ever actually see that, Jim? No, I never did. Really? Okay, yep. so Tom Hanks, 80s movie. <laughs> I saw The Stupids, but I didn't see The Burbs. <laughs> um, great movie. Just something about, like, being in a neighborhood with random characters and, like, hopping into pools and all that. Like, that is something I think of because people are out there grilling. And, yeah, I associate that with summer. So, that'd be a game. There you go. Yeah, no, Zombies Ate My Neighbors was definitely one that we played at least one summer trying to beat. Never did. And uh, Streets of Rage 3 actually was one that we spent a lot, big chunk of one of our summers playing. And it got to the point where, like... I would play, every time we would play, I would be like, alright, let's try and beat Streets of Rage 3 again. So, since I was the one who, like, lived with it and played with it more, like, I would just go through the first five levels, and then once we got to level six, he would jump in and we would try to just take it from there. Because yeah. I could blow, at that point, I could blow through the first five levels, like, losing one, two lives tops at that. Like, I wasn't losing a continue or anything like that. So, yeah, and even then, we only, I never, we never beat it together, and I only ever beat it, like, once. 
That game is too hard. Brutally hard. Yeah. Hard like a hooker's asshole. What? Da- damn it, Jimmy. Keep going to this theme of hooker's assholes. I know. I got Ashley talks about GameCube. People talk about other things. I don't even talk about <laughs> Oh, those Wildwood days. <laughs> and how. Wildwood would, Wildwood would be the beach to do that. All right, Chambers, so we have another question in from Mook that we are splicing in here again. Cutting in again. <laughs> so from 5th Gen Mook, uh, will we get to see Jim put down some natty light in the American flag can for the fourth? Ooh, could that become a challenge? I mean, I guess we're going to have to. I mean, the question is, are you going to shotgun it? Are you going to do a beer um, bong? Or are we going to make something else out of it? No, I'm not going to buy a beer bong. Buy, we have them. Oh. I have old car filters and tubing I can rig together. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be properly cleaned as well. Jim, what would the L.A. Beast do? <laughs> L.A. Beast is a man of, <laughs> among men, Brian. <laughs> L.A. Beast, I am not. Nah, yeah, I'll, I'll get some Natalie with the can. What the hell? Yeah, well, maybe we'll do something fun for it. Yeah. Good question, Mook. Yeah. <laughs> as the quality of my beer goes down even more. <laughs> But uh, last up from Eric Lewacki, what are, oh wait, hold on, yep, okay. From Eric Lewacki, what arcade game did you guys spend the most quarters on? <sighs> Damn. Once again. <laughs> See, now I did spend, even though it wasn't with my family, especially going down Wildwood, I can think of the Arcade 21, I believe it's called. Oh, Yeah. Um, I spent no Gateway Twenty Six is what Gateway you're thinking tw- of. Yes, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I basically lived there. The one summer, my mom and dad went all out, and we basically like stayed down the shore an entire month. And um, I, I think every night I was just in there. And man, it's tough. I, I don't think I ever had like just one. I was, I was, I've never been that kid that like I'm gonna waste all my quarters to beat. Like, even as a kid, I recognize, like, this is just a quarter waster. Um, so, I, I, it's a generic answer, but it's what I said earlier. Like, Time Crisis, the sniper game, anything basically with a gun. Uh, whichever Time Crisis had the machine gun, I think it was three. Um, House of the Dead, all of those. Like, I just, if you had a gun, I was doing that. If you had a car, I was doing that. Um but yeah, it was one of those. I generally stayed away, unless it was like X-Men or Simpsons, from just regular arcade cabinets. And I was always like for more gimmicky what controller you were using. So I don't have one in particular, but if it had a gun, I was definitely using it. Yeah, I, I was going to say my answer was going to be, even for when I got to an arcade, definitely House of the Dead. Like, that's just the one that I always gravitated to. And Time Crisis, too. Like, I was always a big light gun arcade kind of kid so and hydro thunder i played the shit out of hydro thunder back in the day that was a good one too Yeah. for whatever reason like of all the racing games that was the one that always like that would i guess it was flashy enough or whatever that would get me the most now i those were gonna be my answers until you mentioned gateway 26 but then when you go with that route fucking my wife and i put so much goddamn money into video poker trying to do those friggin' poker tournaments that they would have and we'd be like, oh, I think I had a pretty good run there. You know, how much did you wind up with, like, you know, points-wise? And then, it, the, the like, some boomer in the corner who won with, like, triple our score. And we're like, how? Uh, I, you know, it's not an arcade game. Did you ever play that Fascination game? 
No. One of the one so not it wasn't at Gateway Twenty Six. Um, if you know where Gateway Twenty Six is, I think either a little bit before or a little bit past. You know, there's the uh, test your strength like sledgehammer game. Yeah. So there's a, a like a casino style thing behind it, and there's a game called Fascination, which basically it's bingo, but you roll like a rubber ball. And again, and you try and line up the numbers that way. So it's huh. a grid, and you're rolling the ball to try to get like a bingo or like a, a line of numbers. It, it was ski ball mixed with bingo is the best way. That was another one all summer. Like, and I got so many tickets. I was so happy with the shitty prizes that I could have just bought for like ten bucks anywhere else. But yep, that was a game I was obsessed with for sure. <laughs> I was actually talking with my one uh, buddy Ryan about that today. So. Like, eight years ago or some shit like that, we had a day where, like, we double-dated the Dave & Busters. And, like, we're, we're like, all right, we're all just going to, you know, hang out, get drunk, and just play a shitload of games tonight. Mm-hmm. So, like, halfway through, we're like, man, we have a good amount of tickets. Let's go let's go buy these Pokemon games. So they had Pokemon Soul Silver and Pokemon Heart Gold. And they had the ones with, like, the pedometer Pokewalkers with them. So, like, we spent all night getting our tickets and pulling them together to get these things. So we both wound up spending like a hundred bucks each to buy games <laughs> to buy to win games that were like at the time like you could have gotten for twenty bucks. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> you could, I mean, like yeah, they were new, even though they have an awful sticker right on the front. But like you could have gotten them at like a store for yeah thirty bucks maybe on eBay or something new. Now the only saving grace for me is the fact that with how stupid game collecting's gotten, those games are worth like two hundred fifty plus bucks now. So. My initial terrible investment turned into a decent investment. But it can't. you can't even put it that way, Jim, unless you plan on selling, which we know you're never going to do. That is another point that I brought up <laughs> earlier today. Because we both are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Where, like, a year later, he sold his to GameStop for, like, 30 bucks to port towards something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was like, yeah, it is pretty nice and mine's worth a lot now. But I'm also a crazy person who will never sell unless I absolutely have to. Like, the only way I'm ever going to sell this collection is if... Like, I hit some kind of hardship and I need yeah. money. So, like, That's my point, which, so most likely, you're not, like, all your, it's, like, funny, the amount of games you have. Like, knock on wood, I don't have to. Yeah. Well, of course. But I'm saying, like, yeah, you, I don't even know why you bother caring about values of games right now, because it's not like, oh, like, 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 I can almost see a thing in your mind, like, my net worth is going up because this game goes for $400 now. But it's like, you're not going to get rid of it. <laughs> true <laughs> the old catch 22 right there see brian i'm surprised you didn't go with the old uh the punching machine with all the money you put into that at whiskey <laughs> i Tango. was actually gonna joke with you and say jim what about yeah you punching fucking machine? hey jim listen when you get challenged to something step up you man up that was speaking the, of northeast philly people that was the the grown-up equivalent of someone standing at the street fighter 2 cabinet and be like who's next that's all it was just with a punching machine jim just because others had to run across the room to try to get a good score, and I didn't have to do that. <laughs> uh, Jim, were you more mad that I was doing it, or that so many people were interested in it? A little both. <laughs> yeah, definitely a bit of both there. Or were you mad at the one time you tried, and the outcome was less than optimal? <laughs> Look, right, just because I made I my number was the uh, numeric equivalent of me going, eh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, things happen. This doesn't mean anything. Come it's it's alright, Jim. We're all built differently. 
Yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> Arcades. <laughs> so, yeah. Great question, Eric. And that will wrap up Patreon for this week. So, once again, thank you to everyone out there for all of our lovely patrons for donating. And if you would want to be part of the show, have questions answered, game video game reviews that we eventually get to, and or even use an added comment section as a billboard, then please head over to Patreon.com. Yeah, and thank you to everyone who is a Patreon right now. I truly appreciate it. Yep. All right, Chambers. I really like this question. Did this come from somewhere, or did you come up with it? No, I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of topics. All right, so uh, Jim asked a question. The beers that made up made us. So we each picked three beers that kind of shaped, excuse me, who we are as drinkers. Um, so I feel like we've touched on some of this before, but I like yeah. how 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 it's here. So I broke it down to three beers I can distinctly remember, which were, if you want to call them changing points for me. So the first is Corona, just because that's the first beer I ever had. And full admission, it was because that's the beer I was drinking Fast and the Furious. Me and my buddy Juan thought that was a cool thing. So when offered a chance to finally get a six-pack of beer, we said, we gotta try Corona, because that's in that movie. Um... You know, we don't know what beer tastes like. Like, other than maybe trying Miller Light, Bud Light. Like, I, so that was really our first beer to really drink. Um, it's still, to this day, I don't really drink Corona, but I always, I do have like a fond memory of it. So <clears throat> that was my first introduction to beer. Um, <laughs> to, to what pisses Jim off, I'll say. Um, if it's if there's something Irish out there, chances are I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna like it or whatever. Fucking, fuck, there's two there's two things that are a goddamn guarantee with Brian, horror and Irish. Yep. Either goddamn one. Who me? I'm fucking Irish. I'm ready for Jane Irish. Fucking fucking Northeast Philly. We're not not hundred percent. Get fuck yourself. But with your stupid flags and your green shirts, even though I'm wearing a green shirt right now. <laughs> Regardless, Jim, it's like you with like I want to be unique and like the bad things that nobody likes, and it's not that I like bad things. I just like weird things. No, I'm a weird guy. You're, you're, Jim, you're, 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 you're a weird conundrum because you like the weird things, but you're always doing stupid shit to fit in. So it's like you're like, oh, I'll smoke. I don't smoke, but I'll smoke because this girl smokes. Yeah, you know, but. Guinness. That was an obvious, like, oh, okay, I'm starting to drink now. I'm going to try Guinness. But still to this day, I love Guinness. Uh, it's one of those, I look at, like, not only was I drinking Guinness as a way to, like, stouts are my favorite things. Now, granted, there's many much better stouts out there than Guinness. Um, but good God. In our twenty early 20s, I think every single night started for a while with a car bomb. And, my God, if you've never done a car bomb, it is not the right way to start the night. Unless you want to guarantee you're probably going to puke later on. But still, I do love Guinness. It's actually still my favorite beer factory I ever visit. And it just uh, represents, like, a good shift of, I don't just have to drink shitty light beers. There's other options out there. Um, and then, finally, the first beer that really introduced me to the idea of strong beers and craft is uh, Golden Monkey. Which, Jim was drinking last episode yep <coughs> excuse me jesus Ugh. um but no golden monkey was the strongest beer i had had to date when i first tried it 
I couldn't believe how drunk you could get after like one or two, especially if you weren't experienced with it. And that really opened up my eyes to like, so what else is out here? So yeah, that, that kind of put me on a path of like, let me try some other stuff. Um, so yeah, those are probably the three that shaped me the most. What about you, Jambers? Alright, so first and foremost <laughs> I know old... what you're gonna say. <laughs> no no, I'm not I'm not saying Keystone in any of these. You can't not say Keystone when you have the flag no, behind you. No, key, uh, obviously Keystone's too much of a Keystone's too easy for this. So also for as important as Keystone is, I've talked about Keystone enough in this goddamn podcast. But so that's what shaped you, Jim. That's like me with the Irish. You like cheap shitty stuff. That you have to say Keystone. <laughs> no. Hear me out. Okay. So first up one of the most important beers I ever drunk, and I really didn't even drink it ever since the one night that I had it. Molson Ice. Mm. My brother's bachelor party, I was 18, my first time really drinking, and I was going beer for beer with a 200-pound, or no, 200-pound, 300-pound ex-Marine. So that's the kind of situation where I'm going hard and being like, oh, this is awesome. Get, and Molson Ice is, of course, extra alcoholic because, you know, the ice version of it. And I lasted about a good three hours, and that's where I experienced my first ever vicious throw-up session hangover, too. <laughs> so, a feeling that I never felt before, felt a billion times since. <laughs> but that feeling of, what do you call it, like, non-stop puking, feeling like I'm going to die, like puking into a bucket next to a bed, staying up all night puking until I have a sweet release of passing out, waking up the next day, puking up the entire next goddamn day, going, never doing this again, and... <laughs> famous last words because god knows that didn't happen so you do have some infamous hangovers jim if only i could put if only i could put the the uh the exertion i put in through hangovers into other things in my life (laughs) but next up i gotta do gotta do rolling rock because for a lot of years like through college through like a lot of my early 20s like that was just like the go-to beer for just a lot of what you call just like even before Keystone became like my like like my beer like my junk garbage beer, like Rolling Rock was that one for me, and that like has a lot more memories of just like my younger, freer days we can say. So, <laughs> and, last but, and la- last but not least, is going to be Harp, which is a beer that I never drink, but Harp gets the nod because Harp was the first like quote unquote craft beer that I ever drank. And when I had it, it was actually, like, warm, too. So, if you're not used to craft beers and IPAs, it's a rough one to go into in general. And then if it's warm, it tastes especially bad. And, like, that's a beer that it took me, like, a good, I think, full hour to get through. Because it was a beer that, like, I was drinking, like, another time drinking with my brother. And, like, after going through stuff I wanted to drink, he that's what he had left. So, I'm drinking, I'm like... What is what, what is this, like, fancy pants bullcrap? Like, this is, like, why does anyone drink this? I'll never get into this. I'll never like this. Once again, famous last words. So, that just always had that, like, jarring memory in my head of being, like, the, ugh, who the hell could ever enjoy this kind of, like, first real, like, introduction into, like, true craft beer, I guess. Hmm. See, I thought you were going to go with Smittix. Smittix was a really, Smittix is another one that, like, could have been in that, like, um, that veil with like Rolling Rock, where like, no, I mean, Smittix is a better quality beer, obviously, but like, I never really considered that craft either. I don't know, Smittix is like a weird in between. I mean, even though that was like the import beer of choice for me to drink and shit like that. I was gonna like, say, that, none of your answers were craft, really. 
Yeah, like, even Harp isn't really craft craft. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, but, like, yeah, no, Smittix, like, that was, like, my import beer of choice. Like, that was, like, my fancy beer of choice and shit like that. But, and, yeah, I mean, for, it's still one of my favorite beers ever. But, yeah, I don't know, it's still never, for as much as I've drank it and, and for as much as I, like, you know, have loved it, I couldn't, like, feel of, like, a thing where it's, like, a real defining moment with drinking that either. You know, one that I think we should both include as a combined is, of course, Lion's Head. It was yeah. the first beer we reviewed together. It was the first beer featured in our intro, and man, you talk about parties. When I de- when I discovered the case of that back in the day it was like thirteen bucks, and I s- everyone everywhere I go, I'd be like, oh my god, you got little games on the bottle cap, and that was my go to beer for so many years, just because I couldn't believe the actual what I thought was really decent quality compared to other shitty light beers that only a couple bucks more but i was like dude you get more flavor it's this and that it's local like that was one of the (laughs) it's weird that i took pride in like that being a local beer like that was my like i'm supporting the local guys compared to like everywhere else so yeah lion's head is for jim and i that was a whoo i think what really killed that for me was our uh early call of duty drinking videos where i went through about nine of them in a two-hour period then I didn't like them as much, <laughs> but still, that's yeah. that's a go-to. Yeah, the old uh, the old the old popcorn butter beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're drinking that many at once, yeah. Actually, I don't think you've really drank it that much ever since those days either. That's what I'm saying. Like every once in a while, now I've the site I, ruined it for you. I've tried. Well, you know what the fu- the funny thing is with this site is, unless I'm having a barbecue or people over. I don't buy any light beer. Like, I'm always buying a new beer just to try. And you, you've kept up your light beer. <laughs> like, yep. Like no other. <laughs> Gotta watch my titties. Gotta, gotta do what I can to keep those at bay, Brian. God, God knows after two episodes ago, if I was just drinking IPAs all the time, it'd be game over. <laughs> Big Bob over here would be, whoo, bitch titterino. <laughs> So, yeah, let us know in the comments. What are some beers that shaped you guys? What are your some of your first drinking experience or beers that really define you or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, like, other and than... And don't necessarily have to be, like, your favorites no, or your No, definitely go-tos. not your favorites. But, yeah, like, they were clear demarcations in your life. So... Yeah, look at Mr. Johnny Thesaurus over here. Jim, what would be an easy... Like, if you could throw out... What's an easy liquor that is a defining moment where you never drank it again after a certain drunk. Cause I can tell you right now for me is probably captain Morgan tattoo. Cause throwing up black is uh, something I never wanted to see again. So I, I, I mean, I don't even think they make it anymore, but for that brief period when I would drink that shit, like you almost drink the entire bottle in one sitting, I, I can barely go with straight, shots of captain morgan or spice rum at all or even rum and cokes i'm i'm i like don't fuck with that i can drink a bottle of bourbon by myself rum i can't touch right now yeah i can't do rum at all anymore right now um but no the easiest answer for that's fucking bacardi lemon because of (laughs) because of goddamn bowl's 21st birthday party when we had that goddamn handle and that was that that was that legendary hangover i had where the next day we're playing Heroescape, and I'm puking into a bucket in between rolls of the dice. 
where I was where I was on the couch shaking for like twelve hours straight. That was that was probably the moment, Jim, when I was both most proud of you and scared for you. I was like, he really doesn't look good. Like you are just shaking <laughs> on the couch. I was like, that, that, was, that was a really bad one. That was like an extra bad one. Yeah, that was one that's like. And it's the, if, there, if there's crazy, a hangover, I probably should have gone to the hospital for it. It probably would have been that one. But that's what's crazy is like it's not like you drank abnormally more than like you drank a lot. But we all drank, a, but like it's not like you like had an entire handle all to yourself. Like if you did that, yeah, obvious. Right. You you're weird because on one hand I can see you drink a lot, you'll get super sloppy. But you'll whatever function. I mean, there's been many bachelor parties where you're left on the bed because you're not functioning the next day. Right. But it's like, yeah, that day, I remember I was like, that's what threw me for a loop. That, that, was, that was a different level of sick. Yeah, yeah I don't know like what... something fucked you up. I don't know if it, you maybe also had food poisoning, but you were fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was especially bad. Yeah. But you and still... yeah, never touched Bacardi Lemon ever since that. Yeah, yeah. Rum in general. I feel like that that's a lot of guys, our friends. Lemon. Where, oh, dude, remember the worst, though? Who was it? Gun? That was into that uh, Patron Cafe? Oh, God, yeah. That stuff was to, and then drink that before you go out and take it as a shot. So it's like coffee flavored tequila. It's a terrible idea. <sighs> or, I forgot about that. Or, or, I don't remember if you always came with us, but we used to do those, especially, it was Gun who introduced that, too. The goddamn 151 starters for the night. Because he's like, well, you get drunk faster. And yeah, we would uh, start off with 151 shots. And of course, like assholes, we'd also light it on fire beforehand and blow it out. And yeah, terrible, terrible ideas. Oh, God. Yeah. And also, like, I see, like, Bacardi Lemon was the easy one. Like, I know, like, Jaeger, I definitely cannot touch anymore just because the amount of times I've had it in, like, thrown it up and you're throwing up black with that too but like i don't, I don't have a specific moment i think there's just a moment where i was just like all right i'm done with this yeah we're like we're uh it's like uh fireball where i had one hangover too many of throwing it back up and i'm like okay i can't do this anymore with this yeah fireball is a fun i mean that that's the one i feel like everybody from whatever 2012 to 2017 18 everyone did so much fireball and that that, that was one where i don't dislike it i just never like i'm not gonna buy it unless i know somebody's doing a shot with me that uh you know i i know there will be a hangover in the future where like when we get the guys all back together Ugh. i'm sure somebody's bringing that <laughs> yep well we're, well covid's gone now brian as you can tell when you walk into stores so uh yeah i mean there'll be a time when we all meet up and i'm sure someone will bring a goddamn thing of fireball like the old days and like Jim, we'll, we'll bring you that and bacardi lemon oh god like I had, I had like those little, like you know, those little dollar bottle mm-hmm. things. I had two of them of Fireball that were just sitting on my bar for like three years because I would look at them <laughs> and be like, ooh, no. So I think it was in like one night where I was around, like, all right, I'm finally just getting rid of these, and I took them, and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, liquor's an interesting thing, but L- liquor, liquor can really burn a memory into you. Liquor is very good about oh, dude. that. It's like funny beer. You can have shitty beer, like. I do generally feel better when I drink liquor and have a hangover, except for when you completely overdo it. Yeah. But, yeah, liquor leaves an impression. Like, I've never had a beer where I'm like, oh, dude, I can't have stouts anymore. Like, you know, like, you never will get that with beer. Yeah. You're just only going to get that with liquor. And, like, I remember I was on a tear for a while that every time we'd go to a goddamn bar, 
somehow, some way, I'd end up taking shots of really shitty vodka, where I can't, unless the vodka is really high priced because it doesn't taste like anything, the rubbing alcohol flavor of cheap vodka, I'd take a shot, and sure enough, I'd be like, I'll be right back and go puke it up because it's goddamn disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do vodka basically at all at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that and rum, like, just the thought of it, I'm just like, no, no. It's weird. For as much as I've thrown up whiskey over the years, too, like, I've never had that. Okay, I can't anymore no. that. No, whiskey is, uh, I've had many a times where I just, because I enjoy bourbon whiskey so much, I will, the next day, have that crazy headache where, like, you move an inch in bed and your whole body goes, what the fuck are you doing? Yep. But I never, I never stop with it. Like, I, I like, I might get a throw up out, but, yeah, those old days of, whew. Jim, don't you miss them? You know, Brian, not all things are nostalgic. Tim, is liquor like the N64 of our memories? <laughs> it's better thought of than played. <laughs> it's only good at parties. <laughs> yeah, you know, some of these some of these uh comparisons I can't argue. <laughs> oh, so yeah, let us know guys what you think below. Or let us know some fun stories of beer or liquor, and because we love, we like I said, we yeah. love interacting. Let us with know the ones that have burned into your brain. I love them. Oh, Jim. So this next one I actually found kind of right before we started recording, but I thought it was maybe funny is not the right word. Interesting is that hackers are um, basically using PC gamers to mine crypto, and what they're doing is they're sending in a patch that doesn't affect anything with the PC gamer's actual computer, except it uses its processing power to obviously mine for crypto. So this is like a weird, like passive virus that doesn't affect the actual person who's being infected. You're just basically earning for somebody else. It's, it's a different level. And I almost look at that as like, that's almost ingenious, you know, like, cause somebody's not getting affected or hurt or you're not, damaging them financially or even like fucking up their system you, like it only runs when they run certain games so like very popularly like gta 5 uh the new far cry i think like a few different sims games. 4 jurassic yeah. world evolution nba 2k 19 stuff like that so obviously it's people who have these crazy high-powered pcs and it's stuff that people are getting off of torrent sites too exactly so let me so it's like, it's like punishing people for, like, uh, pirating games almost. Well, that's my question. How bad do you feel for the people that are getting, quote-unquote, infected? But, I mean, it also seems like nothing's really happening to them, so can you feel bad? That's my question. Like, installing a virus that doesn't really do something to the end user, except you're, like, kind of using their pet this is a weird one for me like i saw that and i went that's ingenious i'm sure there is a cr like obviously there's a crime there but like it's tough for me to be like i feel bad for the people because like something you would never know actually happens yeah I don't know, and what's your take on that it's kind of weird because like i mean it's, it's obviously like it's obviously not right but for one if it's only affecting people who are touring games then it's like well, then it's you're like, punishing the bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like shitty people doing things to people who are also doing something that's, you know, quote-unquote shitty. So, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, you can't really feel too bad for, you know, someone getting their resources hacked. I mean, it's like the old days when, 
like all the laptops we destroyed in the early 2000s downloading off LimeWire. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're destroying the computers with, you know, malware because we don't want to pay for CDs. So it's like, yeah, you know, we kind of deserve this. But it's, it's kind of funny, too, because, like, like there's, like, every, like, there's all the talk with crypto about how, you know, there's all the shortages for supplies and chips and graphics cards and crap like that for people doing Bitcoin and Cardano and Ethereum and all that stuff. But then you have these weird ones. So, like, the one that they were mining using these people is called Monero, which I never heard of before. But looking right now, it's at, it's, you know, priced at 200 bucks a friggin' coin. So, it's no slouch. Yeah. And there's even ones like, a, there's like a cell phone based one right now that you can do. Like, you can mine on your phone passively in the background. And it's, it's like called Pi. And you can make these Pi coins. Will it ever be worth anything? Probably not. Maybe. You never know. If it's something that everyone can easily do. But it's like, you know, people are really switching up all the different ways that they can process what a crypto is, too. So, I don't know. It's just fucking weird. Like, I mean, even getting away from the whole crypto talk. It's like, yeah. And it's like a weird thing where it's like, Avast only discovers the malware after customers reported a antivirus was missing from their systems. So, like, I guess it almost, like, blocks out Avast once it gets onto the computer. It's like a weird kind of deal. That's and apparently, I mean, it, like, it only affects, th- it's been affecting third world countries the worst, too. So, like, Philippines, well, not third world, but Philippines, Brazil, India, like, they've been hit the hardest. And America has a lot of cases, too. But, like, sure. Yeah, but it's also, like, the the amount of people that hit is could be way higher because how it masks itself. So, it's actually, it's pretty ingenious, I gotta be honest that's with That's what you. I'm saying. Like, it is one of the most ingenious hacks I've heard of. And I, and... The part of me likes it because, once again, you mentioned they're going after people who are already doing something you're not supposed to. So it's like, are they, what, are they going to report them and say, I downloaded this illegal thing, and then I got this malware that's fucked with... Like, you, you know, like it's not like they can say, it's cost me this amount of money because it pulls off the power... Like I, I'm just saying it's, it is an ingenious one. Crypto is such a goddamn weird thing that... My thing is like if somebody if this gets opened up to a bigger thing, whatever crypto the what do you call it Monero? Yeah, it's Monero XMR. I think so. It's like uh, if something. that really breaks big, does it plummet the value of that? Like maybe, but like yeah, that's the thing where like crypto is like it's made I, up. It's uh, I, nobody wants to call it that. It is a thousand percent made. Like when you say cr- mine crypto, what do you actually mean? And then when you dig into it, you're like, it's made up. Yeah, I mean, like, you're mining the resources of a graphics card to, like, run billions of processes to make yeah. make data. Make a, make a data thread, basically. It's what's leading us to the Matrix, Jim, and when humans are batteries. Dang. Who's to say we're not already, Brian? Maybe you haven't been unplugged yet. Um, Jim, obviously you don't watch Neil deGrasse Tyson. If we were in a simulation, then we Fuck should... Fuck Neil deGrasse Tyson, that goddamn killjoy for everything fun ever. <laughs> but Fuck Jim, him. that's what you are. <laughs> I, I, Mr. I fucking love science. Fuck you. <laughs> but Jim, you're an engineer. Kind of. Neil deGrasse Tyson can lick my asshole. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was reserved for hookers. No. Now you're going I, to no, him? No, no, The hooker's assholes get licked. Neil deGrasse Tyson can lick the asshole of the asshole licker, all right? So then are you the hooker in this situation? Maybe I am, Brian. Maybe I am. <laughs> I, uh, no, like I said, though, it, it was just an interesting one. Um, in, ingenious. I, I can't say I feel bad for 
either party, but hey, man, that this is a type of what you'll see in crime moving forward. So I just wanted to throw it up here. Like I said, it's from CNBC. Uh, the link is below. So check it out for yourselves. And this is this is definitely a sign of the times things where gamers can be hacked to make money. Yeah, that's a fascinating. You know, what? it's a great time to live that that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Using your pastime multi-thousand dollar machine is getting is making somebody else money that's a good sign of the times that's all i'm gonna say times are easier <laughs> yes we all have our cross to bear <clears throat> all right chambers so going with one of my uh favorite recurring bits so i have gaming music here and i tried to pinpoint this time i had it originally it kind of got fucked up but on the first link, you'll see there's a timestamp of three minutes and two seconds. So it's a game you know, I think you love, but it's okay. it's a maximum carnage, and this is the level two uh, stage theme, if you will. Which, if you know anything about maximum carnage, which I know Jim knows a lot, hence the sign in his background. Um, there's a lot of great music, and all the tracks are like. They're pretty damn long. Most of them are like four to five minutes, and there's a lot of shifting. Like, a track never stays the same, usually, in that game. So, Jim, why don't you go ahead, click that link. And go to three three minutes, two seconds. Yeah, listen for a little bit. Like, listen about 320. Tell me when you're going to click it so I can do the audio. <clears throat> Okay, so I already recognize this song. I can't tell you what it is, but now I'm going to hit 302 and 3, 2, 1, clicking. Okay. So Jim's listening right now. I'm linking it up. There's a lot of different melodies. Oh, this is a uh, fucking... Ah, uh, it's Pantera. Uh, yes. Shit, what's the name of the song? Ah, <laughs> uh, you son of a bitch. Wow. Is it Mouth of War or... Can't think for a second. Keep thinking, because you you got the band. I'll give you that. So Jim uh, already got it. All right. So the song, like I said, it's Maximum Carnage Stage Two. It's not the entire song. This is a section of the song that is yeah. almost a direct copy of a Pantera song. Yep. Um, so Jim, why don't you click the next link? It's the instrumental. Yeah, I know. One, I know. I know. I'm gonna be pissed off when I yeah. see it, but. This next one, you could skip to about 20 seconds where it's a little closer. Oh, that's what the hell it is. God damn it. It's Pantera, I'm Broken. That's um, what it is. I put up the instrumental track, just obviously copyright shit. But, um, yeah. So, Jim clearly just proved. <laughs> it's, it's obviously noticeable enough. Now, Jim, you know more about this than I do. But did Green Joey do all the music for the game or just some music? They did a lot of original stuff for the song, but then they also just, like, ripped a lot of licks from, like, other bands and stuff like that in okay. there. So, obviously, Pantera, they threw in a lot of Black Sabbath. I think yeah. there was some, like, probably some Alice in Chains and some Megadeth. Like, they threw a lot of other stuff in there. Because if I, you know, like, anything about Green Jelly besides, like, Three Little Pigs, like, a lot of their songs are just them playing the exact rhythm of, like, a known song and putting in some goofy lyrics to it. Like, yeah. they have Anarchy in Bedrock, which is Anarchy in the UK. And shit like that, or like you have a whole bunch of other ones. No, yeah, and that's what uh, I mean. You could debate. Maximum Carnage is the equivalent to like Doom with metal licks. Yeah, no, it basically is in a lot of ways. 
Yeah. Which is... No, okay, maybe I won't go that far. I was going to say, is it one of the best soundtracks on that generation? But I guess there's a lot of games that are debatably yeah, just as good. Oh, no, I think Maximum Carnage is one of the most underrated. Now, it sure. Is. Yeah, yeah. Now, sure, a lot of it is like, what do you call it? it it's all ripped from real songs. So, you know, take that with we, a grain of salt. But we've also established now how many goddamn Sonic songs have I shown that are ripped? How many Doom songs? Which we always say they're the best, like shit, Street Fighter songs, like there's a yeah, reason. They're, they're, like they're all ripped from like more obscure stuff, or like this is ripped from stuff people more more know, especially if they're in the metal scene. So, but but I look at it like this, Jim. If it's ripped, it's ripped. We've even shown there's a significant amount of Super Mario Brothers songs that are ripped from. Yeah, it's obscure, but there's no doubt they had to be inspired by. Yeah, so it's like it's, a condom. Once it's ripped, it's ripped. Jim, you do not know that pain like I do. <laughs> Very true. The amount of money. Never mind. <laughs> right, get the Catholics mad at you. Do uh, it. Talk about, about your Jim? abortions. Jim, I'm a good boy. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, put away the code again. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Listen to links yourselves. You obviously just heard them. I think it's an obvious... They were inspired, and as Jim just revealed, that's Green Jelly's M.O., and it... Why fuck with something that works if you can just kind of do a slight modification? Right, exactly. Yeah. Ooh, this next one. Speaking of things that may or may not have worked, <laughs> for our reoccurring overrated, underrated, GameStop's retro game era. And you know what, Jim? It's so funny. I went into GameStop... A couple times over the past couple months. Have you, when was the last time you've been to a GameStop? I go once a month to use my $5 coupon. Okay. I don't know what you've seen the last time you went. They have almost no last generation games. Oh, no. That's that, in, it's in our era. In yeah. our area, for sure. Like, fucking, I like, I watch, like, fucking Mr. Rightway and his goddamn amazing goddamn game. Goodwills <sighs> and shit by him. So, Steve, beautiful man, but you motherfucker with the luck of what you have around you. So, like, when he GameStop shows his goodwills, I'm like, that's a game store. That is not a goodwill. <laughs> yeah. So, like, our, so, yeah, it really depends on the area, but I think Philly is one of those, like, major cities that were, like, part of the new imagining for GameStop. So, like, at this point, like, anything from the seven, from, like, the 360 era will be. It's like 360, Wii, Wii U, and PS3. It's like one small shelf and like the stand-ups in the middle of the room. Yeah. And like whatever they have left is what they have left and they never stock anything else in there anymore. They, they either cleared out or threw out a whole ton of shit. So, yeah, there's like nothing left. At Depre And you and I have talked many times. That was my kind of go-to store of like, yeah, last generation or even when it was 360, like current gen, when they had like... Buy three games for ten bucks or yep. twenty bucks, what? Dude, I stocked up on that shit. So did and I. Yeah, the last couple times I went, yeah, it's that one shelf. A total of sixteen games. Half of them don't even have the goddamn cover. Like I don't even nope. know how that works anymore. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, dude, there's nothing. And then I go over. I'm like, well, maybe they're used games for current gen. Like they have a few cheap ones. No, like the cheapest I could find was like. 15 bucks for a game that's like kind of obscure like 
What I'm just like, dear God. So okay, there's no reason for me to come here now. Right, you can but, get Halo Five Guardians for five dollars. Use a five dollar <sighs> gift card, and you can pay negative two cents. But yeah, you brought up a good point: the retro game era. And was that 2019? You uh, started that shit. I have to look it up. I want to like if I did like uh, spitball, I'd say it went from like 2017 to like 2019 was like the heyday of it. They only had it so, for a couple years. So for those that don't remember, weren't paying attention. So for a very brief period, they decided, and by they I mean GameStop, they decided like we're gonna resell retro games. And there was a lot of controversy about quality checks if they were doing repros. Like they're, they're they had their whatever. But what was interesting was you go into a store and they'd have a whole case selection of. NES, Super NES. Well, depending on the store, because I think only one in our area would actually have it in store. One, oh, I was going to say, my, mine had it. Yeah, the most of the on, ones uh, I went to, even around me, had none. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so the one I had, so that's where I ended up getting, I think, Castlevania won it. Like, I, I got some pretty good games, but some of them were overpriced. But still, they had, I think, everything up to basically N64. Yeah. Um... So they tried their hands at the retro game, and I think they had a pretty decent selection. I'm not going to say quality, but selection of... Uh, Especially online. They had a decent online. selection. Yeah. So when you wrote this, I decided, let me type that in. Let me go to GameStop. They still have a retro collection. Which is really funny. They still have a retro section, but every single game is out of stock. And it's also... Eight games total, and a bunch of them are CDs only. Like I just went to it right before we started. Oh, really? At least the thing I saw, it was like eight games, but there's like advertisements for the Amico and the Atari <laughs> VSC. Um, it's pretty much dead, and it's one of those where I said, <sighs> it really sucks. GameStop used to be my go-to easy. Like I was going to collect for current gens when I saw the retro. I felt like you'd look at that like an eBay store with a grain of salt. Like you, like we did see reports of some quality issues, and once again, the repro thing. They weren't checking stuff. Um, but I felt like their prices were probably okay. Like they weren't at they weren't crazy more than eBay. Like you're basically doing eBay, but through a quote unquote trusted buyer. Yeah. But once again, but if you were somebody who was smart enough and you'd like, oh shit, well I just paid eBay price for this, but it was a repro, that would suck. Um, I think it, the potential was underrated for this. The execution was overrated, and it obviously went nowhere, which is why it died off. But I love the idea of being able to go to a GameStop and not just see toys and Funkos and everything else and actually see old games. Because as Jim and I have said, maybe it's where we live, whatever the case, we're fucked when it comes to retro games. Like Unless we can maybe find something random at a Goodwill, we're basically always stuck to a, a, a video game reseller who's got to overprice it even over eBay prices. Or just going eBay. So it really does suck for us. GameStop was a good good spot. And I did like that idea. But the execution was terrible. Yeah, you know what? Like, I can only... Like, I'm really going with this one. Like, my personal experience with it. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say it was underrated. And the biggest reason why, for me at least, is because they always had some kind of code and a couple deals that you could, like, stack on top of each other. So, like, with, like, your like your pro membership, you get five bucks, so you could put that towards it. And then there would always be a code where if you spend, like, you know, 25 or 35 or more, you get free shipping. And then there would be a code where, like, there would always be, like, a random buy two, get one free code and stuff like that. So, like you said, how, like, the code, like, the prices were, like, you're never getting a deal when you were using, like, eBay or GameStop online, but you could almost use enough codes at one time to turn it into kind of a deal. So, like, I like I was lucky enough that, like, I never got burned by the, like, you buy a super expensive game and you get the cart, but the inside, uh, the PCB board was just Madden, shit like that. Like, there, like, there is quality control issues out the ass. And, like, all the friggin' uh, counterfeit Pokemon games that got sent through that thing. So, like, there was... It had a ton of issues, and, like, the quality control wasn't there for what it needed to be. But if you kind of played the game the right way, and you didn't... Like, if you didn't go after, like, the super, like, games that, like, every single person in the world was going after, and you stacked up a whole bunch of coupons at once, I wanted to put some pretty good deals out of there. So... I kind of, like, when I, I saw everything start to go away, I was kind of bummed. Because I was like, oh, okay, I'll use this coupon and get a couple of Super NES games, and then eventually none of the games are around anymore. And I went, eh. So, yeah, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I kind of liked when GameStop was doing it. Just because if you knew the right people and the right codes, you can make it work pretty nice for you. Yeah, I'm one of the weird advocates where I say I'm sad to see where GameStop eventually just might go away. Like, all I had growing up was EB and GameStop, and EB went away. And if you want new games, unless you go to Best Buy, Walmart, like a big chain place, I wanted a place where I just got video games, and that's where they specialized in. It, like, begs the question. I'm actually amazed more bigger chain things don't just do it. I mean, I guess digitized stores, Amazon, you know what it is? eBay. If they projected or knew that they would make enough money off it, they would do it. Like, yeah. if GameStop made a killing doing it, everyone would copy it. That's true. But then, so, obviously, it wasn't the moneymaker GameStop was hoping it was going to be. Yeah. It's a it's a sign of the times. I mean, it, Like, I, retro, retro, for as much as, like, we're involved in it, it is still niche. Oh, dude, it's just like when people get really upset about shit said on Twitter. It's something like only 10% of the population uses Twitter. (laughs) And it's like such a small percentage. And then even the smaller percentage are the ones making all the noise on it. It doesn't represent shit for real people in a day in, day out. So gamers are in that same thing. Retro gamers are smaller. I get it. It sucks. Um... I think we just have to accept moving forward. Like I said, all games are going to go digital eventually anyway. Brick and mortar stores for new games, they won't be there. They'll just be there for retro. Be like vinyl. It'll go away. Yeah, it'll be like music. It'll be like movies. It's just the way it's going. Yeah. Gotta hold on for dear life. But let us know what you think below. Uh, Did anyone else have good or bad experiences with GameStop's uh, retro era? Let us know in the comments. Yeah, because I like, hear it. Yeah, definitely want to hear it because it was kind of the easy thing to dunk on, but I think a lot of the people dunking on it too never used it. No. So. Oh, never. They would just. Yeah, I have no interest in hearing a secondhand story. I want to hear a firsthand. Did you use it? Did you like it or dislike it? Yeah. Did you get burned or did you get some decent deals? Let us know. Yeah. 
All right, so for our final topic for this episode, we have which is better, and Jim uh, provided this one as well. We have realistic graphics or stylized graphics. Whew. So this is interesting. Um, I'm shocked we didn't hit this one before. Realistic graphics, even on generations... The only generation I can think where it can kind of still hold up a and I'm being very general is maybe PS2 and Xbox. Anything before that, I'm saying absolutely not. Right. For realistic. <clears throat> um, as realistic gets better, I think that will be that will be the future to the point where uh, what is it? Arkham's Razor that like you won't you're going to there's always going to be that like point or no, I'm sorry. The Uncanny uh, Valley. Uncanny Valley. Yeah. There probably will always be something, but as like this technology gets better and better and better, and one day it's like looks like you and me talking to each other, and that's the game. That is kind of what always I think everyone in technology, especially video games, that's a goal like everyone's working towards. Stylized graphics are a necessity of the limitations of a technology, and when done right, like a lot of uh, well. Let me not say a lot of, but the better 8-bit, 16-bit, they're probably the best examples of stylized that kind of last forever. There's been many other stylized that you could argue, like Wind Waker and some other like cell-shaded things that, yeah, they look good. I don't, I still don't think they hold up as good as like the 8 and 16-bit that are great. Um, but the realistic, what I like about that is that's always pushing the envelope. So, with stylized, it's ultimately easier. Like, there's no one out there that I think is going to discover a new way to make 8-bit look even better. Like, they're going to copy what the old school is, maybe add some minor animations and, like, some shading, some lighting effects. But the original, like, 8-bit palette, if you will, 16-bit palette, the color swabs, they're really not going to get any better. And they're always going to be a, a callback, a throwback, and they're fine. But there's a reason why nowadays you never see a throwback to like an Atari game for us. It's it's extremely rare. And there will come a point when you're never going to see another throwback to an NES-style game or a Super NES. And that will just keep going on. While Realistic ages terribly and puts itself in a category... Kind of like whenever you watch a 60s or 70s or whatever movie and they date that period time. That's what those do. But they're always working towards a future. Where stylized are, to a degree, kind of... I guess playing it safe is a word I'm using. Like, Nintendo is always playing it safe with their games. They'll always be stylized. Because they don't need to try... They're never... Even if the technology was available to them, they'd never make a realistic... Legend of Zelda or Super Mario because that's not what their their people want and their audience whether people like to hear it or not are young children and cartoons are never going to appeal as much or will always appeal more than realistic I would love a video game where it is looks just like real life and you're just doing all the shit um, who knows how far we are from that but I like that every generation are trying to get closer to that point it's just a matter of getting there. So I'd probably go with realistic because they're 
taking bigger risks knowing that they're going to date themselves and they're only going to be relevant in this generation and they're going to be outlasted the next whereas the other one it's playing it safe see i think you're 100 wrong on the playing it safe part and the best example is one you mentioned with wind waker because when that came out people everyone across the board was pissed that they went with the cell shaded look everyone said what is this crap why are you not pushing the envelope why are you like making something that doesn't look as looking back it's funny to hear but as like gritty and realistic as like ocarina like you know why are you going with this over kiddified look and stuff like that and i think especially with cell shaded games that's the best example of a look that's just it's almost like a timeless look where like if you look at wind waker it still looks like even even though it's been updated with like the hd remake on wii u it's still the same basic look of a game art-wise style and it still holds up way better than anything that tries to look realistic like realistic realistic isn't like going stylized is the risk like people expect stylized from every new not stylized they expect realistic from every new generation because they want to see how the graphics are being pushed and blah 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 so when you go stylized everyone's going what the hell is this stuff like i want to see you know something that's trying to look more what's going on today so that's why you have games that are like almost tech demos like order 1886 and rise son of rome that are the games that are like the kind of benchmarks or even like crisis the you know the games that like people want to put up there is the things but like you said those are the ones that always date themselves and that's why i think stylized is better because no matter how realistic you make something look it really still like even with every generation jumping one we always say, oh, graphics will never look better than they do now. Graphics will never look better than they do now. And then the instant the next generation comes out, we look back at the old generation and go, how quaint. So, like, I think for the fact that, like, you can really give a game its entire feel, like, a true feel to it. Not only that, but, yeah, you can give a game a true feel to itself with stylized graphics. If you look at something like Akami or, like, you know, any of the cel-shaded shit, where it's like, this game has its look. Like, this is what this game is. Where going realistic is what everyone tries to do, and then every game winds up looking the goddamn same. So, I think in general, like, it takes way more to, like, make a stylized look that people gravitate towards, especially in, like, for normies. And I'm not, not saying for normies, but, like, the general public. Like, the general public does want to see stylized. They want to see graphics being pushed. Whereas, but then, that's also the games that no one ever goes back to because... If your main selling point is your graphics, if they don't hold up, then there's nothing to ever go back to. Yeah, and you're not wrong. I think the difference, though, is what you just said is both my point and against your point. Is at the end of the day, like Wind Waker, I think most people still don't like that, except for Zelda fans. Like, you love the game. I think a normie sees that and goes, cool, Breath of the Wild, I'd rather just play that. Like, any stylized Nintendo game, like, think Mario 64, unless you grew up with it, why would you ever play that over Galaxy? Like, unless you have nostalgia tied to it. And that is, honestly, always going to be tied to graphics. You can get into a whole thing about the gameplay is is kind of made easier by a stylized choice. Like, especially games today where they decide, let's go to a 2D versus a 3D because it ultimately is an easier thing to build from. See, you you keep going back to like the eight bit things. Where like when I when I thought about this, like which is better, I'm thinking like once we got to the era of people either going stylized versus like 
pushing the envelope. Like, 8 and 16-bit, like, that's all you had. So, like, there is no, like, pushing the envelope or being stylized. At the end so, of the day, yeah, you're, eight, like, eight and colorful, 16, goofy so, so, 16-bit, the closest would be, like, a Star Fox. Where they're, like, we're going to try something that was new. Where everyone else was completely 2D. We tried something new. The generation, which was the complete fuckery, which was obviously, we said last episode, was PlayStation N64. You got some 3D, some 2D. Aged the worst because it couldn't do like either that well, even though there were some great games. Generations moving forward, you start seeing camps. Like Nintendo was like, we're going to pretty much stick with this or that. Now, Wind Waker is a good example of like they really put their neck out there. But like I think of a game like nowadays Street to Rage 4 didn't try to be groundbreaking in their graphics because they don't need to be. Right. It's a style that. They weren't being bold by doing that. They were just like, we're only going to be aiming towards people who love the old games. We're not trying to capture new people. Like and like you said, could it? I think they. I, it is I, more ballsy to go with current gen technology because you're going to spend a lot more money and probably be a failure because you're not spending enough time on gameplay mechanics. So like Streets of Rage Four, like they knew they were going to do fine because the gameplay. Me- core mechanics were great and it was easier to program for in the style they did if if for some reason could you imagine if they did a complete realistic attempt at streets of rage like yeah but either way like a streets of rage would be like i mean they were from the start that was just like a retro throwback i think this argument really comes down to like when it's like a current gen with all new releases that kind of deal yeah and i mean look at okay so i think a good example is like Mortal Kombat. Every game, they went back to a 2D look, but they're much more realistic. Right. Those games, I think, undoubtedly, look better than... I guess... Did they really ever... No, I mean, that's a good argument would be, like, say, Street Fighter V versus Mortal Kombat. Like, if you want to look at those the way they look. I think no one would really argue that Mortal Kombat looks better. Like, you might prefer a cartoony style... But I think Mortal Kombat, even if like, if you just hold eleven to Street Fighter Five, no one's gonna look at those two and be like, "Well, Street Fighter Five obviously looks better." Like it's just there's a different pushing of what's available, and like I said, I like that idea because it's it's always gonna lead towards, you know, there you're not gonna be the most unique in the crowd. Which is what I think you always like, and I think a lot of people like. Like when we're picking, I think the the great cases of games that not only played well, but they had a unique style and it defined their entire. Like I said, uh, um, uh, fuck, I, I'm completely blanking right now. But I've done a lot of these 2D platformers or whatever where they are so stylized that the style was a thing that drew me into the game, and then I actually did like the game. And I associate only the style with the game. Um, but there's also a gazillion examples where that just doesn't work. Because then they try to copy that style, it doesn't work. Whereas realistic, like Last of Us is a game a lot of people love. Even though they've had a gazillion HD remakes. Like, if you go back to the PS3, for people like you and me, we're going to be like, it still looks really good. Right. It's like the argument of DVD versus Blu-ray. There's a certain point where you go, it's fine for me now. But in the future, it's just going to keep getting pushed. So, you know, 
with this stylized, I maybe I just haven't seen a, a really good example of a current stylized game that isn't like a throwback to something we've already seen. And I think that's where my hang-up is. Like, I'm trying to think of a modern example of stylized that we haven't already seen from a previous generation. Yeah, you don't see those like weird games anymore, like Res or stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of something that came out in the last year. Well, it's kind of tough with you know the pandemic thing. Yeah, like people trying I to mean, push could the envelope you, too. Do, would you consider Minecraft and Fortnite? I guess you could say they're stylized. Oh yeah, I mean Minecraft for sure, and even Fortnite to an extent. But it's like that. That that I wouldn't say. <laughs> I mean, Minecraft is a timeless look. Like Fortnite. Minecraft like, is timeless. But Fortnite or... never like pushed the envelope either. Like it did. No, it no, it, it definitely didn't. But yeah, Minecraft, like in theory, if that was able to use amazing graphics and still do the, it's really Minecraft is about the functionality. Like the graphics are almost a, you don't Secondary. give two shits. Yeah. yeah you, okay. how, all right. How about how about this then? How about mm-hmm. how about a game we reviewed before? Um, PS2, Superman, that showdown on Apocalypse or whatever, the cel shaded one. A game neither of oh, us the Xbox pl- one, yeah, 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 or or, or not no, the no, Xbox yeah. one, the PS2 one, the PS2 did. one, yep, yep, yeah. yep. The cell shaded one, one that neither of us knew about even existed, one that neither of us had played before we went to it, but one that we went back to, and I'm sure for its time it looked amazing because it looked just like the cartoon, but then going back 25 years or you know 20 some years later and playing it for the first time and going, holy crap, this looks amazing because it still looks like ex- the cartoon that it's emulating off of. Even though it's still a very stylized look, being fully cel shaded like that to pull it off. Yeah, I think timelessness, that, and that's why I guess I go to, it was the safer bet to copy the cartoon in a cel shaded. Like it's almost like they, and, I, and when I say they, I don't know who I mean. I'm saying like I feel like you know, if you're copying the source material in a way that can represent it the best, then you know that's a safer bet. Like if they decided for whatever reason to make that game based on the cartoon but like they could have given it realistic that would have made it more it polygonal and stuff like that yeah yeah uh, i i think i think um like you're looking at it as like they're taking a risk i i almost look at it like there are some obvious timeless looks that are gonna piss people off that are graphic snobs but you know it's like it's like making a cult movie like how many times have we seen cult movies that bomb in the box office and they gain their attraction later on. Like, Quentin Tarantino was, like, the king of that until, you know, much later in his career. Yeah, but a lot of things when they first release, though, aren't meant to be cults. Like, everyone wants everything they make to be a hit, though. So if you make it in a really crazy style, like, you're basically almost guaranteeing you're not going to have that. I feel like, though... Which seems like a riskier move, because, like, for any kind of media, like, the most money you're going to make, with the exception of outliers, you know, become a cult hit later... You're going to make the most of your money the the first couple months that it's out. And then whatever comes after that, you know, you're lucky to have. Maybe what I'm still looking at is the amount of uh, uh, capital you got to put in to making a shell sh- a cell shaded versus using the latest technology. You're probably going to spend a lot more money to really make a full game that's that could potentially f- bomb. Like yeah. you said, order... 18 whatever the fuck that game's called yeah the that, most top of the line graphics for its time when it came out and that game bomb the game beyond just belief yeah. yeah and had they went cell shaded that wouldn't have saved the game like one way or another they could have saved money going with cheaper graphics yeah but they decided we're gonna try to push the envelope 
That was its sales pitch was its graphics. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I mean. And we see that every generation. That's not uncommon. I almost look at, though, those unfortunate souls are the stepping stones for getting us those better graphics, whereas a shitty cel-shaded game that never ends up selling doesn't do anything. It just... If it, if it sucks, it sucks and whatever. But if a game is able to push graphical boundaries and still sucks and doesn't sell well, then at least it might help progress game technology moving forward. Nah, that's yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I think I think if the question was which one ages better... Then it's always definitely, yeah, stylized. But stylized. Yeah. But yeah, for which is better, I just, like I said, it's... Uh, the same as always trying to go further in space. It'd be safer to keep going to the moon and doing successful missions, but I want to see those ones that keep pushing further. So, no, that's a great question. And in the comments, please let us know, like I said, which do you think is better? Um, I'm not even necessarily going with my preference. because My preference is different than what I've been saying. I just say at the end of the day, like I said, uh, realistic pushes different boundaries that stylized can't. Uh, oh. So, let's yeah. Know. Well, I mean, I'm going with my preference because I'm always right. So, Jim, our history with people responding and everything would say you're always wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you have yet to be right there, yet. <laughs> so, let us know what you guys think below. Um, but with that, Jim, before we we sign off, uh, what do you think of your beer? Uh, you know, like besides just being one that I've had before. Um, as I was drinking it, I didn't take any mental notes on it. So it just, I guess yeah. like it's perfectly fine, but it's nothing to like nothing jumped out to be like, Ooh, look at this. Yeah. Who Wildwood Haze. Um you know, it just it gets lost in a pack of hazy IPAs. It doesn't it does zero special. And the only thing I don't like about it is it left a little bit more of a bitter drying effect on my tongue than most hazies. Like most hazies, I get like almost a sugary citrusy, citrusy effect. This one, it like dried me out. So I can't say I'll probably get it again. I got it because of the Wildwood connection. Um, but yeah, I mean, unless you have that connection, maybe you don't need to go for it. But with that, we want to say thank you to everyone who has been watching. If you are watching on YouTube, please make sure you hit like and subscribe. Let your friends know about the channel if you enjoyed it. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, give us a five-star rating. Make sure you write a comment. We will respond. We do appreciate and we love engaging with you all. And with that, we want to say have a good night and cheers. Cheers, everyone. Can right.